What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the JT Sports Podcast. I'm your host, JT. I'm joined by my guy, RD. Part of Film is Art. What's going on, man? What's good, guys? How you doing? Hey, bro, let me let me say it for you real quick. It's Film It's the Art. Or film, the 21 Savage. It's Film It's the Art. But, uh, hey, it's your boy, um, Artie. I'm the executive director of Film It's the Art. And uh, I'm just grateful to be on this platform with a great guy here in JT. Ready to get into it. Yeah, man. And I'm happy to have you on, bro. So can I vent to you real quick? Please, absolutely. Go ahead. <laughs> man, I'm just really frustrated with how people are talking about my guy, Bryce. You know, like the NFL upload the clip. I don't know if you've seen it, but it had like highlights from his game against LSU. And I know you saw the pocket presence, the elite pocket presence that not too many NFL prospects have, especially at 5'10", 204. And yet people are talking about some, man, this is nice, but this college, he ain't going to do that in the NFL. Like, come on, man. Like, elite pocket presence is something that you're either born with or you're not. And then you got people saying, oh, he plays for Alabama. Like, he's throwing to the best receivers in the NFL. He isn't going to have all that. And I'm like, bro, tell me that you haven't been watching Alabama football without telling me that you haven't been watching Alabama football. Because for the last two years, these probably have been some of the worst Alabama teams that Nick Saban has had in pretty much his whole entire career as the head coach of Bama football after his first year. And you can even go back further to the year that they made it to the national championship. Nick Saban considered that a rebuilding year. I don't remember if you remember the week leading up to the SEC championship game, but most people thought that Georgia was going to blow out Alabama. Their offensive line had an awful performance the week before in the Iron Bowl against Auburn. I think that game went into two overtimes and Bryce Young being the the clutch performer that he is, always rising to the occasion, was able to lead them on a game-winning drive to win the game. And then when you just look at how big of an impact he had his first year starting at Alabama, you just knew this dude was special. So to hear people constantly, you know, try to find ways to nitpick this guy's game, like, I understand the size. But if you can look past that and you just look at the film, you would know that this guy is truly a generational quarterback. And if he was 6'5 or 6'6, six, six, we will hype this guy up as one of the greatest quarterback prospects since Andrew Love. Let me know if I'm tripping. Listen, brother, I have been defending Bryce Young religiously since July. Um, I I fell in love with him uh, the moment I even cut on his high school tape. Um, <laughs> I started watching him back in 2019, so I knew he was coming. And I heard he was going to Alabama. I was like, oh, okay. And then I heard Mike Jones beat him out, and I was confused. I was like, whatever. Then 2021 comes, his first game against Miami. He just shuts it down. Like, you know, like lights, lights them up. Lit up first the – First Williams. Mm. And I'm a Canes yeah. fan. I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the first drive, the first drive, he had this uh, – you want to talk about pocket presence – he had this crazy sack avoidance um, against the edge from Miami. Escapes to his right. Throws a dart to John Mechie, who runs it in for like a 30-yard touchdown. Just beautiful. He's got beautiful awareness. Um, his ability to throw the ball from anywhere on the field in any situation. I mean, I don't understand how you can have size concerns on a quarterback. 
who's 5'10", but has played in the SEC and been hit by grown men every day of his career. You don't you don't even remember the fact – you don't even count the fact that he gets hit by his own teammates every day who are also grown men, who are also huge uh, NFL-type type, uh, defensive linemen, um, and he runs away from them every Saturday, and he does it at a high level, and now his height is a concern, but he's been this height since, what, 10th grade? I mean, it's just laughable to me. Um, but I think what it comes down to with Bryce is, you know, his pocket awareness is fantastic, but I think his mental paralysis, I think his ability to know when a blitz is coming, to know what coverages defenses are in. And if you notice on third down, whenever Bryce sees a blitz, it's never good. Like you never tip your hand to Bryce when, when you're blitzing, because I promise to God, if you do, he's going to exploit you and it might go for six. So his mental processing is elite. Um, his ability to make throws from anywhere is outstanding. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but that ball should be spinning like a spiral wherever it needs to get to. Um, his, ab- his ability to run this year was actually very impressive to me. In the specific film session that we did at Film Mr. Art, I detailed in it about how, you know, people are going to say he's a bad athlete. And I'm like, where? I mean, the dude ran all the time this year. And, I mean, he had to because he was throwing to Trayshawn Holden, who nearly had as many drops as catches. Uh, Jermaine Burton, who transferred from Georgia after winning a national championship, just to do nothing for a year at Alabama. So it's a it's a crazy situation to think about where we're trying – well, not we, but the national media is trying to bear down this kid for being 5'10", when in reality the only issue he's ever had in his entire career uh, as a deficiency in a scouting report has probably been his weight. And he just put on – weight to be 204 pounds and lit up his pro day yesterday. So if we're talking about Bryce Young not being QB1, I don't know what we're talking about because that conversation in my world, in my opinion, doesn't exist. Yeah, man, it's like CJ's a CJ Stroud is a dog. We're going to get into him a little bit later. We're going to get into that debate. But it's just like if you're doubting Bryce Young because you don't know if he's going to be able to hold up for 10 to 15 years. You don't know about the durability. That's understandable. We look at Tua, we see smaller quarterbacks that are smaller in size, like Bryce Young. He doesn't have like the, I don't want to call him thick, but he doesn't have like the built physique that a Kyler Murray has or Russell Wilson has. But this guy is very smart. He doesn't take a lot of huge hits. He knows how to fall down. And this dude is a way better athlete. Like if people are questioning his like his ability to move around, just look at the fact that how he extends plays. And I think that a lot of people think with I think a lot of people have what I like to call the Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen syndrome. So if you're not having 60, 50 yard rushing touchdowns at quarterback, people question your mobility. But it's like there's different kinds of mobility. You have home run hitters. And then you have guys who can extend plays, move around, buy time, pick up yards with their legs. And Bryce Young, like, I'm pretty sure he has some speed. Did he run the 40 at his pro day? He did not run the 40 at his pro day. But I, like I said on our film session on our channel, um, I believe he would have ran. He would have ran a 4-5. I mean, on tape, the dude looks pretty fast. So I'm not I'm, I'm not worried about Bryce Nathlete at all. I mean, this is a guy who – ran away from multiple defenders in the SEC this year alone. And you don't just do that if you're not a good athlete. Um, it's funny to me how people question 
Bryce's athleticism, but they're quiet as a church mouse on um CJ Strouds. But we'll get into that later. So and when I look at Bryce Young, I see somebody who has really good accuracy, mm-hmm. fantastic ball placement, even though I like CJ Strouds ball placement over Bryce Young, but we'll get into that a little bit later. I just I just really can't understand why people are so low or like have so many questions about Bryce Young. Some people think that he could potentially fall in the drive. And I'm going to just say this, bro. If you take CJ Stroud over Bryce Young, okay. I'm not going to harp on that. But if you take anybody other than CJ Stroud over Bryce Young, like Will Levis or Anthony Richardson, please, (laughs) please, you, you might as well just go ahead and, you might as well just go ahead and quit because you probably should be out of a job. Even though I am rooting for my guy, Anthony Richardson, to succeed, I do think in the right situation he can thrive. Similar to Will Levis, it's all about where you go, proper coaching, all that stuff. I just feel like when you're talking about a quarterback who pretty much is close to not being, I won't say not being the bus, but if you're looking at a quarterback, who you could look at and say, yeah, I know that he's not going to be a bust. I know without a doubt that he's going to succeed. It's Bryce Young and potentially C.J. Stroud. And then all the other quarterbacks, you know, there there's some wild cards out there. But when you look at Bryce Young, I think he probably has to be one of the safest options in the draft. Yeah, for sure. Um, the way we describe it in this NFL scouting community is high floor guys and high ceiling guys. And when you look at Bryce Young's floor, it's highest, that's higher than any other quarterback in the class. Um, something, something that I think about is who who could go to the Houston Texans and actually not die? You know, <laughs> I don't think Anthony Richardson can go to the Texans and not die. I mean, first of all, in my humble opinion, Anthony Richardson isn't ready to play today already. Will Levis, no, there's no option. He will die in Houston. Um, sorry, I don't like Mayo, man. Um, I don't, I don't like him. His film session is coming out tomorrow, and I'm dreading it because it's like, I'm really gonna have to destroy that man on a camera like that. But it is what it is. Um, just we'll talk about him later. He's just, he's just not good. Um, <laughs> um, Stroud, I think could have success, but I think at the end of the day, his lack of athleticism and he's a quarterback that really, really needs weapons around him. And it's not a bad thing, but it's it's, it's just a fact. I think you could send Bryce to Houston. I think he'd be just fine. I mean, he thrived in chaos at Alabama, one of the most prestigious programs in America. Um, always has talent, even if the talent doesn't play up to their potential. So um, I think you could send Bryce, and Houston, Bryce to Houston and he'd be fine, which in my humble opinion means that he has the higher floor than any quarterback in his class. Now, when you talk about ceilings, obviously Anthony Richardson has the highest ceiling because of his athleticism, because of his arm strength. He probably had the biggest arm in the class. But when it comes to ceiling and floors, you have to be very, very careful because just because somebody has a really high ceiling does not mean they're going to reach it. It just because somebody doesn't have a hot has a really really high floor doesn't mean you settle. So that's the delicate game that scouts and GMs and, and evaluators have to play. It's how do you correlate, you know, your floor versus your ceiling? Because theoretically, Bryce's ceiling isn't much higher than his floor. But the problem is his well, the, not the problem. The solution is his ceiling is so so. I mean, his floor is so so high that it really doesn't even matter. 
Because at the end of the day, you know if you take Bryce, and you know exactly what you're getting. If you take CJ Stroud, you definitely know exactly what you're getting. So um, it's all about risk, risk, reward. And I think that Bryce is definitely a reward that is worth the risk of him being 204 pounds and 5'10". You guys make sure that you check out Film is an Art. Repeat that one more time. Film is an Art. We got my guy Artie on. Let the people know what you guys do over there at Film is an Art and where they can find you at. Okay, man. So like I said, my name is Artie. I'm the executive director of Film is an Art. Um, we are a NFL scouting department. Um, we originated in uh, 2021. Um, we started off as really a thought in my brain, technically. I taught myself how to scout back in uh, the year 2020 during COVID. I was trying to separate myself from a relationship at the time and trying to build something for myself. And this is this was spawned from it. But we're an NFL scouting department. Um, we have six team members. Um, so I have a staff that, um, that helps me and that I help and support. Um, the department, um, we have four scouts, um, Daylin, um, Alex, uh, Hunter, and myself. We also have two social media managers. Hunter runs our Twitter account, which is um, film. It's an art with the extra T on Twitter. Um, and we also have an Instagram account called film. It's an art that uh, our social media manager real runs. So um, you can also find us on YouTube. I'm at film. It's an art. That's F I. L M I S S A R T on uh, YouTube. Uh, we've basically um, been pumping out film sessions every day the past month or so. Um, guys like Zay Flowers, Josh Downs dropped today. Um, this week we dropped Jordan Addison, Jackie Swift and Jigma. Um, in the past, we dropped guys like Jameer Gibbs, Anthony Richardson, Jay Stroud, B. John Robinson, Will Anderson, and Bryce Young. So we're we're a young, up-and-coming channel. We just hit 70 subscribers um, the other day at 71 currently. So we're a young, up-and-coming up channel. But make no mistake, we're a professional NFL scouting department, and we mean business, and we handle it the best way we know how. So um, if you like what you see, if you like what you hear from me today, please, please um, don't uh, hesitate to uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel or follow us on any of our social media platforms. It will be greatly appreciated. And we will have the links to their YouTube channel, all of their social media platforms down in the pinned comment section in the description down below. So you guys can make sure to go ahead and give them a sub and a follow on Instagram. Let's talk about another guy who is getting a good amount of criticism, way more than Bryce Young. I feel like people are doubters of Bryce Young, but then you have the majority of people who have brains and realize that you know, this guy is generational, but then you have a guy Tank Dell, and then mm. this is where things start to get a little hard because it, it, it people do have somewhat of a point. He's 5'8, he's like less than 170 pounds, so you can't even make the Devontae Smith argument for him. At least with Devontae Smith, you're like, bro, he's, he's 170. It's like you don't need the dude to be buff, you don't need the dude to be built like DK Metcalf, but Tank Dell. He's 5'8", so he's going to be limited into the slot. Although the dude could play outside receiver, he does have the skill set to do so if he was taller and just a little bit bigger. But you look at Tank Dell's skill set, his ability to separate, how he runs routes, how he releases. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to me evaluating wide receivers, 
the most important traits I look for are your ability to run routes because the best receivers in the game, Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, something that they all have in common, even Jamar Chase, is that they have really fantastic ability to separate and run routes. Stefan Diggs, like the majority of the best receivers in the game, all have the lead ability to create separation, not based off speed or athletic ability, but route running technicians. And this guy, Tank Dell, is a route running extraordinaire on all three levels short, intermediate, deep. You can ask this guy to run pretty much any single route. And that's what makes him so interesting. And that's what I keep trying to stress to people. It's like, bro, like, I get it. The size is a huge concern, but. In the slot, I think he has the potential to be this generation's Wells Walker. What's your thoughts on Tank Dell? First off, I mean, I don't even have any more meat on the chicken. I mean, Jordan's out here uh, killing it with his evaluation of Tank Dell, man. That's that's a uh, that's that's tough to follow. But um, yeah. So first of all, let's get one thing straight. That we live in a we live in a time in the NFL where being a slot only is perfectly okay. A lot of teams need slots. It's easy to find an X or or a Z receiver at this point in the NFL. You know, it's easy to find guys who are six two, but guys that can that can play in the slot and win and um separate at elite level like Tank Dell, those are guys that are hard to find actually. So one, he's he's not a it's not a burden for him to be in the slot. Two, uh like he said, uh Tank Dell is a freaking route menace, slot menace, whatever you want to call him. And there are times where he doesn't even have to be in the slot and he cooks people at the line of scrimmage because not only of his ability to run routes, but he is so, so good at the release. When the ball is snapped and he's get, getting ready to get um, into his uh, route, that release that he gives um, at the line of scrimmage is so potent because he knows how to stop and start like nobody in this class. And it's not just stop and start with speed. It's stop and start with uh, movement skills. You want to talk about somebody who's who's effective at knowing how to sell routes a certain way, someone who knows how to really use leverage, use um, use c- people's coverages or their leverages against them. This is a, this is a, this is a very very intelligent receiver too. He's not just somebody who's just out there using his speed to beat everybody. This is a guy like he said that's a route technician that really knows and understands the nuances of route running. He knows when he's about to run a corner route. You don't lean too far in. When you're running, you you sell it a little bit to the uh, outside, then you break out for the corner. He knows when you're running a comeback route, you really you really sell the go, and then you stop on dime and come back. You feel me? So Tank Dell is a route technician, and I think the reason why he's getting flacked on so much in this draft is because of his height and because of his weight, but also to the the receivers in this class are pretty much bunched up, bro. Um, outside of Jordan Addison, um, JSN and in my humble opinion, Zay Flowers and Josh Downs. All the other receivers, it's just like, okay, like they're right next to each other. Like for me, Kashawn Boutte is the same as Quentin Johnston. For me, mm-hmm. hey, we, we, we should talk about Quentin Johnston. I don't like him either. Um, for me, um, you know, Xavier Hutchinson is the same as Jaden Reed. You feel me? For me, Michael Wilson from Stanford is the same as – Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss. So a lot of these guys are 
all bunched up together. So that's why I so that's why Tank Dell gets swept under the rug a little bit. It's not really a detriment to him as a player. I think all of these guys I just mentioned are f- fantastic players, but I think that because the class isn't top heavy and isn't really like isn't really like star studded, it's almost to the point where these talented guys like I didn't even mention Parker Washington or guys like um the Mario uh, Douglas, Liberty, uh, him, him, um, Charlie Jones from Purdue. He he's really impressed me the past uh few weeks with his draft process. Dude ran a four four one forty, so yeah, he can fly. Um, Trey Tucker, um, from Cincinnati. His teammate Tyler Scott. You know, there's a lot of receivers in this class that are all right neck and neck with each other. So it's not really. You know, people necessarily hating on him. I mean, some people obviously hate on him because of his height and his weight. But a lot of these guys are so close. Like, in reality, Tank, there's not much of a difference between Tank Dell and, like I said, Tyler Scott. Like, Tyler Scott is a vertical, vertical deep threat who really doesn't run his routes as good as Tank Dell, but essentially they're the same player. So it's it's, it's more, more of the class than him with Tank Dell for me. And I already know what a lot of people are going to say as another argument against Tank Dell. Well, look at the smaller receivers that come into the league. Like, remember Tavon Austin and the Anthony Thomas and recently Tutu Atwell. And I just want to say this, like, Tank Dell, I don't think is anywhere close to the kind of player that those guys were coming out. I just feel like he's so more polished as a mm-hmm. overall receiver. When you look at the Anthony Thomas and Tavon Austin, they were coming from offenses where – Pretty much the yards were pretty much schemed up for him. You look at Tavon Austin, we knew that his route running was a huge concern coming out. He was a big play guy. He was more somebody who was viewed as a gadget guy. And also when DeAnthony Thomas and Tavon Austin entered the league, I kind of want to say they were before their time. I feel like if they were drafted and, you know, current time, 2022, 2023, they would be more successful. Yeah. Because now in the NFL, you have more offensive-minded coaches taking over the game who know how to get these guys involved in the offense, who know how to scheme them open, who know how to utilize their skill sets. But you look at Tank Dale, you can use a Tank Dale in any offense, regardless of his size, as long as you're running a lot of three wide receiver sets, because any team can use a guy who is an elite route runner. When it comes to finding elite route runners, like Chris Olave was one. You feel me? A lot of people thought he was just speed. Like this dude was a fantastic route runner. That's why he had such a great rookie season. Like there is a correlation between wide receivers that are successful and wide receivers that don't end up panning out. And the majority of times the wide receivers that end up having the most success are elite route runners because that's one of the most important traits to being a wide receiver and being able to utilize your skill set despite the fact that you don't have certain physical advantages such as you know you have guys like Quinn Johnston who they may be big in size but they don't always play up to their size they don't always play as physical Tank Dell knows who he is you feel me it's like of course we know if he gets lined up on the outside against Jalen Ramsey we don't like that matchup you're keeping Tank Dell in the slot and people act like having a really good slot receiver doesn't really have that big of an impact like do you guys not remember how dominant Wells Walker was when he was playing in his prime of the wing like Wells Walker probably is the best slot receiver in the history of this game he should be a hall of famer in my opinion and when you look at Tank Dell 
he just has so many great characteristics that translate over to the next level but i do have some concerns you know outside of the size he does have a pretty small catch radius he does have a pretty big issue with concentration drops but i feel like those things can be improved over time hitting the jug machine coaching we see a lot of talented receivers come into the league and they pop off but some do struggle with drops like jerry judy had a drop problem his rookie season what's your thoughts on tate dell and what his potential weaknesses could be at the next level that could hold him back from reaching that ceiling and what is his ceiling again like no meat on the bone at all like i'm just like trying to figure out what i can say i mean you yeah, you're you're doing a phenomenal job, bro. I just want to tell you that. I know it's your show. I know we uh on air. But I just wanted to say like, yo, like this is so dope to be able to sit here and have these kind of conversations. Um, but yeah, man, definitely drops are a problem. I'd say drops is the biggest biggest weakness besides his weight. Um, not only are there concentration drops, but there's some just focus like no, not focus. I'm sorry, hand drops. You know what I mean? Um, they're just drops where he just hit him in the hand. So he's gonna have to work on that um but also i do think there's some more meat on the bones for him as far as you know catching in traffic which obviously obviously is a big caveat because it's weight but at the same time if you're going to be that slot you're going to be in the middle a lot so you're going to have to catch in traffic you're going to have to catch over the middle you're going to have to catch over that linebacker that's coming to smoke your head off so i think if you can work on his catching in traffic in that that aspect and get his get his uh drop rate down a little bit Get his weight up a little bit as well. I think I think he'll be more than fine. Um, I currently have him as a top 100 player on our board, and we have him as a third round grade. So I mean, I don't I don't think at all that he's going to be someone who the people teams just pass over. It'd be a shame if they did, but I do think that um, he's going to have to go to a specific team. Um, that can that can suit him and they can let him play in the slot early. A team like maybe the um, the Atlanta Falcons, you know, a team like that with you know guys, big guys on the outside like Drake London and Kyle Pitts already that are you know above you know six four. You know they they have to build a basketball team out there. So if you add a dynamic you know slot that can really run and really stretch the field, I think that that can really do some good things for for Atlanta Falcons. So yeah. And when it comes to some other good team fits for Tank Dell, do you think that he could be a really good fit with the Rams, the Vikings? What's on what's what's three more teams that would be a fantastic fit for Tank Dell? I don't know what the Rams are gonna do with Matthew Stafford at the moment, but um the Rams need anything they can get a receiver. So obviously Tank Dell would be a nice fit there. Um he's the perfect um little motion guy. Um, for Sean McVay's offense, I think that would scare the absolute hell out of people if they had to worry about Cooper Cup getting a jet sweep just as much as Tank Dell getting just that would be crazy. Um, Minnesota needs help at receiver as well, um, but I think another receiver fits them a little bit better because um, this receiver can play the outside a little more effectively and is more of a uh, better catcher in traffic, and that's Josh Downs. I think Josh Downs in Minnesota would be absolutely asinine. I think him and Justin Jefferson would become a very, very good duo, especially with Adam Thielen heading out. Um, off the top of my head, another team that comes to mind is the San Francisco 49ers. 
Um, San Francisco really, 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 really needs receiver help. Um, apparently, Brandon Ayuk wants out. Um, Debo is Debo, but Debo is Debo. So you're going to always need receiver help. Um, and you can always make a team that wins the NFC Championship game better. Adding a guy like uh, Tank Dell to the mix, I think, makes a lot of sense, especially if Brandon Ayuk really wants out. Um, another team that I'll give you, and this might surprise you a little bit, is the Denver Broncos because KJ Hamler cannot stay healthy again. I mean, I mean it's a shame, but he can't stay healthy. But if you get Tank Dell, then KJ Hamler, he can wash your hands with him. Does very similar things, and in my opinion, is a better receiver than KJ Hamler was coming out. Mm-hmm. So those are three teams uh, that really fit uh, what Tank Dell can do well. The um, um, Atlanta Falcons the um, Denver Broncos, and um, the San Francisco 49ers. And the L.A. Rams. So I gave you four, so I gave you the next one. <laughs> now, let's move on from Tank Dell. There's two more receivers that I want to touch on. My homeboy and I, we're from Jacksonville, Florida. Duval, Nanofo. I'm not a Jax fan, but I do root for Jacksonville. I'm a Steelers fan, but there's two Jacksonville wide receivers that I want to touch on from the city. Xavier Hutchinson and pop demario douglas out of liberty how do you feel about those guys where what are your evaluations on them and where do you see those guys getting drafted or falling in the draft i'll start with douglas because um hutchinson's a bit of a better player i like the way douglas uh uh, has plays with speed um i think that his ability to uh, stretch the field is uh magnificent um i do wonder because the quarterback play this year was a little eh so I wonder if he has more to show that he didn't show on tape um, than that he showed this year. I know with last year with Malik Willis, he looked really, really good. This year he looked good, but it was like, eh, was it, is it a product of the quarterback or did he just not have enough more in the tank? So I need to see a little more of him. I currently have a six-round grade on him. Um, Xavier Hutchinson, I have a second-round grade on Um my guy Dalen, who's a scout at the department, um, loves Xavier Hutchinson. He wants me to give him, wants us to give him a round one grade so bad, but I can't do it. I really want to give him a third, so we just settle on a second. But I think Xavier Hutchinson is, <laughs> I think Xavier Hutchinson is a very, very, very good um prospect. You know, Big Twelve receivers outside of C. Lamb, who I'm so thankful to have in Dallas. That dude's a stud. Um really don't succeed traditionally at the next level, but I think Xavier Hutch is going to be that next one. Um, you're talking about a guy who's a true 6'3", 210, um, really, really, really good route runner. I won't say great, but a really, really good route runner. Um, really strong uh, catcher of the football, especially high-pointing it at the catch point. You know, it's a 50-50 ball. With Xavier Hutch is more 60-40. You feel me? Um, his ability to also get some yak after the catch is also pretty good. I like I like his his play style. He plays with this tenacity, this edge to him. Um, he's always you know cheering uh, on his guys. He just seems like he seems like a really good teammate. Um, really really helpful guy. I've heard good things about him being really helpful in the locker room, and obviously the play speaks for itself. Um, I mean to produce at Iowa State. I mean. Nobody's checking for Iowa State as far as, like, you know, quarterback talent. So the ability to produce year after year after year there is obviously impressive. And I truly think that um he's a guy who could have a Michael Gallup 
type of um, career. You could ask him to be your number two or number three, and he could be really, really good, and that's all he has to be. Um, if you need more of him as a wide receiver, too, I think he can give that to you because I think he um, does have the athleticism. I think he does have, you know, that above the rim ability to really catch over defenders, um, to really, you know, sky for passes, um, catch goal on fades, all the whole nine yards, um, and can run the whole route tree as well. Like I said, he's a very, very good route runner. So I really like Xavier Hutchinson a lot. Like I said, we have a second round grade with him at the department, and I think that he would really, really do some good for some teams that are looking for an X that can really, really, you know, hold down that middle of the field for him. So, you, you know, when I was watching Xavier Hutchinson, I was really excited, but at the same time, like I got really frustrated because it's like, bro, like you're you're good, but you can be even better, man. It's like it was a couple of contested catches that he wasn't able to come down with. I'm like, bro, you you could have had that, man. It's like yeah. he's like a he's like a great blend of Christian Watson and George Pickens. The dude, Ooh, is that's spicy. Really, yeah, like the dude's really athletic after the catch. But at times he he has the aggressiveness that George Pickens has. Now, when it comes to Pop, Pop is kind of like in that Tank Dell category, undersized, but in the right system, he can thrive. He's not, he's a he's a pretty decent route runner. He's not, you know, the kind of technician that Tank Dell is, but I do think. In the right situation, like there was a report coming out that Bill Belichick loved him coming out of the Shrine Bowl or the East West Shrine Bowl. Yeah, yeah, he did have a good Shrine Bowl. Yeah, and like he was just really impressive. He had a pretty good combine, he ran a pretty good 40. Like, I'm a pretty big fan of Pop. Me and my homeboy were arguing back and forth who was better, Tank Dell or Pop. And I was telling him, listen, fam, like Tank Dell, the route running. The, the route running technician that Tank Dell is, Pop, he has some ways to go in that regard. But I do think Pop going to a system like the 49ers, because one thing that I think is really underrated about Pop is how good he is after the catch. And although he's listed, I think he's only like 175 pounds, like he's kind of built. He's a stocky 175, similar to like Josh Downs. Like they're smaller and people think, oh, they're under 200. They're small, like. You can look at guys in person and they're like, they may be under 200, but they're kind of built. And I look at Pop, I look at Tank Dell. I think their success is more going to depend on where they land, especially Pop. You look at the fact that he does have some things that he has to improve on. But I do think that when it comes to some of the more underrated receivers in the draft, I definitely will have Pop in that conversation. But Xavier Hutchinson, he he's the reason why I haven't released my top 10 wide receiver rankings yet because I really don't know <laughs> where the hell to put him at because I watch him and I watch some games. And I'm like, bro, like this dude is the best receiver in the draft. The potential, the upside is all there. And then I watch some games. I'm like, dang, bro, it's like you're, you can be so much better with that size and athleticism that you have. So I really don't know where to put Xavier Hutchinson at. And then you alluded to earlier how Big 12 wide receivers aren't really all that great translating to the league. And we remember a lot of them. Denzel Mims, don't know where the hell he's at. Tyquan Thornton, like a lot of these guys come from Baylor. 
and it's another one too i really can't i, I can't his name slipped my slipped my brain what's cool what school did you go to i can't even remember the school man it it's a, it's been a couple of big name big 12 receivers that come out over the last couple of years i can't even remember the draft class but why do you think Big 12 wide receivers struggle making the making the transition to the league. And what does Xavier Hutchinson need to do to end up becoming a successful one? I think Xavier Hutchinson needs to keep his work ethic. Um, the way he the way he goes about his business, he had a great senior bowl. Um, he really, really attacked cornerbacks like uh, Tyreek Stevenson, um, made them really have to, you know, challenge him physically. He made them, he made them feel him physically, feel, he made them feel him physically and have to deal with that. And he imposed his will on them. Um, also too, I think he does need to clean up, you know, some of the focus drops, but I think all of these guys, you know, um, have, you know, some focus drop issues, um, that they can clean up with little nit nitpicks like, uh, you know, running off routes, stuff like that, that they can improve on. Um, but for Hutchinson specifically, I think if he can clean up, you know, the, the drops and if he can really work on, um, you know, spatial awareness. There's some times where he caught the ball and he didn't get a foot in bounds. If he can work on that, I think he'll be just fine. Um, but as far as the Big 12 receivers go, um, look, man, the, the I think the Big 12 receivers don't work out because the Big 12 corners are ass. You know what I'm saying? Like the the Big 12 corners, they're they're not they're 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 terrible. So when you get to cook terrible corners all all week, all year. For how many years you stay there, and then go to NFL, and you got to face dudes from the ACC, dudes from the SEC, dudes from Pac-12 that strap up and really not to defend, and they're not going for you know that those weak routes you're running. It's a problem. The only one in my in my young selling career that's transitioned well from the Big 12 is CD Lamb, and CD Lamb was just built for it. He just chose Oklahoma. Feel me? You know, he was always good route runner, always knew how to. Um, use his leverage, always knew how to um, uh, catch in traffic and all the things that you look for in a modern wide receiver, stretch, stretch the field, um, you know, get yards after the catch. Yards after the catch is what made him the prospect that he was. Um, when you average 20 yards a catch, you do it for you do it for a reason, you feel me? So, um, but, yeah, that's what it is, the Big 12, man. The corners, just, they're terrible, they, have everybody looking like they're world beaters when they're not. I mean, Quentin Johnson there was 19 yards of catch, but in the film session I just did for the channel, um, I literally pointed out to where this man literally went against a freshman and DJ Turner from Michigan and got his ass strapped. Strapped. Like, the route was terrible. The release was mid. The release was mid. The route was mid. And then didn't even – got to the point where he couldn't even fight for the ball because Turner was so much in his hip pocket. And this was in a national semifinal game. You feel me? Like it's crazy. It's crazy how how much these Big Twelve receivers and these, unfortunately, to the fact these Big Twelve quickly the coast. But as soon as they play someone outside the Big Twelve, it's a completely different story. And we can talk about Quentin Johnston. A lot of people have had some really interesting takes on him. He he's one of those. I, I probably would put him in that boom or bust category now. I was really high on Quinn Johnston, and I've watched a good amount of TCU. As a matter of fact, watching Quinn Johnston's film is really annoying for several reasons. First of all, Max Duggan is not that good. And my homeboy pointed that out. Like, we was trying to watch 
Quinn Johnston's individual film. And my homeboy's like, bro, can we just put on the highlights of this dude, bro? Because this dude, Max Duggan, he ain't that great, but it's like, I love Max Duggan, you know? So that kind of made Quinston Johnston a little bit hard to evaluate. And then you have some really good games where you actually see him playing up to his size. He actually looks a little physical. I was really impressed with how he somewhat played in the Big 12 game against that number 23 cornerback who I can't think of his name. Kansas State, Julius Brents. Uh Yes, this dude has some insane size, like some insane size and athleticism. He's like 3-4-5, yeah. And he had a really hard time with Quinn Johnston. And I thought leading up to the game, he was going to be up for the task because that was the second time that season they had matched up against each other. And Quinn Johnson was eating on him. And then you get to the Michigan game, and it's like uh, outside of that one play that he had after the catch, you see the flashes of what he could be, what he is able to do when he gets the ball in his hands. This dude coming at you is probably the last thing I would want to see if I was a cornerback or safety and having to tackle him with that size. But DJ Turner, like, I I really had my eyes on him. I was like, man, who's the, who the hell is this freshman corner that they got out and where has he been all year? Because this dude is really strapping to Quinn Johnson. Then you watch the Georgia game and <laughs> – Oh, man. And it's like, man, we – Man, him and Keely Ringo, I think we could kind of throw them in the same in the same boomer buzz thing too. So it's like, hey man, you you ain't you ain't lied one time yet. <laughs> I promise you, you have not lied, bro. When I when I tell you, first off, I apologize to anybody that's going to listen to this, watch this, and, and be mad at me for keeping it real about Quentin Josh like I'm about to. But the man is mid. All right, he's mid. I'm going to explain myself. I'm going to give context while I was mid. Now it's a bold statement, but Quinn Johnson is mid. Let me tell you why. Okay, so you're, so you're 6'4". Oh, I'm sorry. You're 6'2 and a half per NFL combine measurements. You should have ran a 40 because you probably would have ran like a 4'4", four, 4'3", four, four, but you didn't. So now it's like we don't know how fast you are. We don't even look fast. We don't know how fast you are. And then we get to the tape, right? So, yeah, one play against Kansas where you run this incredible route, shaking the defender twice, making him stumble. But then the very next time you run the route, it's an easy pass breakup on a stop route, the same exact route. You just ran a comeback and got and got a first down and some yak. The next time you run the route, it's an easy pass breakup and you don't sell the route at all. You're inconsistent as hell. Like, there are times – where, yes, Max Duggan is like Max Duggan, but there are times on tape, bro, where Quentin Johnston literally shows no effort in running the route. One of the biggest plays he had against Michigan was this this post corner. He literally did not even sell the post. He just went straight corner at an angle. And the throw was incredible. The speed, the, the fact that he caught the ball is incredible. But in reality, it's a terrible route. You're not going to be able to get away with that in the NFL. Like, Jalen Ramsey is shutting that down. Jair Alexander is shutting that down. You feel me? You're not going to just be able to just get out there and just run, get off the line of scrimmage. The dude can't even beat press, bro. He can't beat press at 6'2 and a half. How can you not beat press at 6'2 and a half, 210 pounds, against big 12 corners? 
How? Let's 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 really talk about this. Let's really get into this. Because it's almost like these national media guys like Mel Kuyper, Todd McShay, they, they, they just undermine the facts of these prospects. And and they follow these narratives like, I'm sorry, but Quentin Johnson is mid. Like this dude is a second round pick. I would not take Quentin Johnson in the first round. Like you're not you you can't you can't just walk off the line of scrimmage and not have any release and just get open for consistently in the NFL. It's not it's not gonna happen. You feel me? And and and, and, and riddle me this. This is I'm I know I'm cooking right now. Riddle me this. Josh Downs, 5'10, 178, right? Has a lower drop rate than Quentin Johnston. Like, do you do you want me? Like, are we being for real right now? Josh Downs at 5'10, 178, has a lower drop rate than Quentin Johnston. Like, what are we talking about? The man is mid. I rest my case. And it's like, I'm probably a little higher on Quentin Johnston than you. Well, I most definitely am a lot higher on Quentin Johnston <laughs> than you are. Now, I'm not viewing him as the best receiver in this class. You feel me? He definitely is in that conversation of being one of the best or being up there. He may not be up there with a Jordan Addison or a Zay Flowers, but I'm a little surprised that you you gave him a you said he was a second round pick. So I was thinking you was going to say he was like a fourth or fifth round. I was about to say, whoa, okay, but yeah, man, it's just that I look at Quentin Johnston. And if I was drafted in the first round, I want to take him top 15. I want, I definitely want to make him the first receiver off the board. But if you're talking about between pick 24, last pick of the first, early second round, definitely would give him that look. I think it really depends on what quarterback he lands with. If he can land with a good quarterback as a matter of fact i would like i would love him in chicago with justin fields people keep saying justin fields can't throw bro like the dude was throwing to equinemius st brown darnell mooney was injured for majority of the year cole command don't know what the hell happened to chase claypool but kansas city kansas city now you you give andy reed and patrick mahomes a quinn johnston and they they've been looking for that that big body wide receiver man you give them quinn johnston i think it works i think with quinn johnston one thing that really does impress me is how good he is after the catch i do think the 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 despite the fact that he struggles to separate that does concern me but this dude is really solid after the catch like this dude's fantastic after the catch his acceleration his speed and he does have a tendency to drop passes, concentration drops, focus drops. But he does win 50-50 balls. He does win contested catches, even though it's not at the rate that you would like for a guy of his size. It's just that you want to see it more consistent. Obviously, you want him to be better when it comes to getting off the line, creating separation. But my thing is this. When I'm looking at a receiver with his size, if you struggle creating separation, I only have a problem with that if you can't make up for it by being Mike Williams. And we know what Mike Williams does. This dude, you throw it up, he's going to go ahead and catch it. So as long as you're one of those kind of receivers, I don't have a problem with it. And I think when it comes to Quentin Johnston, you talk about boomer bust prospects. He definitely, he, he definitely is up there. And I think when it comes to the NFL draft, 
many people they watch highlights they're not really taking the time like me and you to really go through the games because i'm gonna be honest with you prior to watching his film i've watched a good amount of tcu a lot of tcu this past season and you know when i look at the five six games that i watched off the top of my head i thought that quinn johnson was the best receiver in this class well i started going through his film and i'm like okay this guy has some legitimate problems and there's been a lot of other people who've pointed this out who aren't on these big networks and stuff it's a guy named az film review make sure that you guys go ahead and check him out also he pretty much said the similar things that you said about him so it's like the a to z yeah, like I really I really love his channel. I subscribe to his channel. Yeah. Yeah, like he did he did a fantastic job breaking down Quinn Johnson. He made me realize some things. I was like, okay, I need I need to go watch the film. I'm just like, okay, okay. And really, when he separates, he separates more because of his speed and his size. But when he gets matched up against blue chippers, like that true freshman, you saw what happened. And I really think for Quinn Johnson, if he goes to the right situation like a Kansas City, even the New York Giants who could use a big body receiver on the outside. Hell, they had Isaiah Hodgins cooking. I'm pretty sure Brian Dable could find a way to get Quinn Johnston going. But I think that, you know, Quinn Johnston, I probably still would take him in the first round, late first round. My, my last question for you on this topic is this. Do you see a lot of Kevin White? No, actually, I don't. I, I yeah so so you you just got you know ranting already you finna get sensible already now I do think that Quentin Johnson despite all of the things that I said and all of them are true and I mean them 100% I still think it's fixable you now with these prospects you have to be real you can't just sit up here and trash them and bash them like they can't reach their potential you can't sit up here and glorify them like they can't fall down to earth so with Quentin Johnston, while yes, all of the things I said are true, he does struggle to separate. He does run terrible routes. He does have, you know, catching problems. Um, I do think that all of the things I just said are more than fixable for him. I think if he specifically what you said, I think it was such a great point. I think if he gets in with the right quarterback and specifically the right offensive coordinator who knows how to use him early in his career, a guy like who you said, like an Andy Reid. Um, for me personally, a guy like Matt Lafleur and in Green Bay, um, you you want to help out Jordan Love? You give Jordan Love, Quentin Johnson, and Christian Watson. You feel me? You send them you send them down to Carolina for whoever they pick um, at number one. And now all of a sudden, you're talking about Bryce Young being able to throw to Quentin Johnson, Adam Thielen, and DJ Chark with Miles Sanders in the backfield. Like, come on now, what are we talking about here? Um, so I think that it depends on where he goes and situation. But all in all, he can reach potential and Hate it or love it, he's got the most potential out of any receiver in this class. He's kind of like the Anthony Richardson with the wide receivers. So I think that if he can really work on those fine-tuning his game, work on those nuanced things, work on his in working on getting in and out of his breaks better, um, work on stop running off his routes and uh stop um under undermining his routes. There are times where he's supposed to run an over route, it makes it like a drag. I point that out in the film just who he did. There are times where he's supposed to run an in route and he spends too much time um trying to get off the line that it hampers the the timing with the quarterback so i think if he can just fix some of those nuanced things i really think quentin johnson can end up being a very very good receiver in the nfl now i don't think he'll ever be a wide receiver one for a team but i think he could legitimately be a wide receiver too for sure if you guys haven't already 
make sure that you guys are subscribed to my guys film is art is the art they <laughs> are available on youtube i will leave the link to their youtube channel down in the pinned comment section in the description down below the jt sports podcast isn't just available on youtube it's available on all audio on all podcasting platforms wherever you get your podcast from you can listen to the jt sports podcast spotify google amazon apple podcast the jt sports podcast is available every episode and video that's uploaded on the channel is available in audio format on all podcasting platforms this is uh i guess we can title this the boomer bust episode because we're talking about a lot of boomer bust prospects now we just talked about quentin johnston we're talking about another one now we're getting into the quarterbacks you know we got we can't talk boomer bust without talking about will levis and i'm gonna save anthony richardson for another day because i've been talking about anthony richardson since this dry process got going going to try yeah. to give the people a little bit of a break will levis Instead of, you know, taking the route and saying that the dude isn't great and all that, people kind of already know that. People in the media keep trying to, you know, I don't really think people in the media are trying to hype him up, but I think people in the media are trying to, you know, somewhat keep the fans trying to say, you know, like it's still, it's a chance for him to be successful. You look at Zach Wilson and he doesn't really help Will Levis at all. And you look at Will Levis' film, the fans obviously see the same things that me and you see, but how can Will Levis succeed at the next level? If Will Levis is successful, what has changed? What has improved? And what did we get wrong about him? Because the system that he was in last year, I believe their offensive coordinator was Liam Cohen. He came from the Rams. He wasn't really that great. The offensive line wasn't that good. I don't think the receivers were that bad. They had two really good, true freshman wideouts who made some pretty big plays. It was one that it was one that made a really nice catch on Keely Ringo. And I know you remember that throw too. That's probably one of his more impressive throws of the year. Mm -hmm. So Will Levis is a top five or top 10 quarterback. How did it happen? What did he improve on? He, for one, stopped putting mail in his coffee. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm fooling, man. Um, if Will Levis becomes a top 10 quarterback in this league, the first thing he's going to have to improve is his pocket um, awareness. Something that we talked about earlier with Bryce is literally the biggest detriment to Will Levis. Um, he is full on deer in headlights, like full on Carson Wentz full-on like if you even like fart near that man he's gonna start looking around he's gonna start ducking his head you feel me um another thing too um he can be inaccurate which is really weird because he's got a strong arm like a huge arm like probably the second best strongest arm in the class but he can be very inaccurate, and his inaccuracy isn't because the arm is bad. His inaccuracy is because his passing mechanics. He's going to have to definitely improve his passing mechanics. I think Will Levis is fine as an athlete. I mean, he's not great, but he's fine. I think I, I think I think Will Levis can can get you a third and seven. You feel me? I think my, my standard for quarterbacks is: can you give me a third and seven? Can you give me a yard? And I think Will Levis can get you twelve. 
feeling like I think I think Will Levis is all right as far as athlete. Um, I do think he can make most of the throws on the field. I wouldn't say all, but I think he can make most of the throws on the field. Um, the reason I say he can't make most of them is because he can get the ball there, but the ball might flutter a little bit, you know, because um, of the inaccuracy. But all in all, if if Will Lewis became a top quarterback um, in this league, he got paired with a excellent coach, went to a team that was ready to compete, Raiders, um, and a team that that really, yeah, yeah, I think I think Will Lewis to the Raiders makes a bunch of sense, man. Um, I think that, you know, they have the infrastructure there already with Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. I know they just traded Darren Roller to um, my division, uh, the New York Giants, but that, that's a team that's ready to compete, ready to go. Um, if they get a quarterback and they start building on that defense. So I think if he went to – and then Josh McDaniels, the, that that coach, he's going to coach that kid hard. You feel me? His job kind of depends on, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo ain't going to be around for a full season. He'll give you 10 games, and that's about it. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So I think you pair him with the right coach and the right system. Comes from a pro-style offense, man. So he pretty much knows half the NFL game already. Also, too, something that one of my favorite um, media scouts, Daniel Jeremiah, pointed out, um, he played most of this season hurt, you Mm -hmm. know, Played with a banged up left shoulder. That's why on my sky report, I I literally have literally cannot throw going to his left. Well, now I see why he had a banged up left shoulder. So obviously all his throws going to his left are gonna look weird. Um, but point twenty one tape not the case. Dude was phenomenal. Um, getting out of the pocket was really running like with reckless abandon, like he was gonna gonna be in that conversation um, with Stroud and Young this year, but. Injuries and turnovers uh, came into play and kind of pushed him down. I think that's also one of his bigger weaknesses. He he turned the football over a lot, Real not reckless. just interceptions but fumbles. So you, you remember the old Miss game? Oh, I watched that game live. I literally told like I, I was in the group chat with my guys. I literally told them like y'all know Will Lewis lose this game, right? And one of my uh, friends is a Kentucky fan, and he was like. He was like, man, don't say that, don't say that. And I was like, all right, bro, I've seen this move before. And then we got down to the goal line and then fumbled. Uh, I just did the Jordan. I just did the Jordan GIF. I was like, I told you. So, yeah, but, hey, man, if he cleans that up, the the mechanics, the hit deer in the headlights, you know, the pocket awareness, uh, if he can improve his accuracy, um, if he can really, really hone and not turn the ball over, I think, yeah, I I think C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young are going to be top ten quarterbacks. I don't see why Will, Le- Will Levis can't do the same if he cleans up those areas of his game. And it's like my thing with Will Levis is that like I don't think the dude doesn't have a chance to succeed at all. It's just that his chances of being successful are a little bit lower compared to Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud because these are guys who are coming in who can read defenses. They can operate in the short, intermediate passing game. And that's one of the biggest things that I've noticed with quarterbacks that have been able to make that transition. And the QB who helped me realize this was Brock Purdy. He went in the seventh round. And I watched a lot of him at Iowa State. For some odd reason, I was always watching – Iowa State and the wide receiver that I, that I forgot that I remember now, Hakeem Butler. There we go. 
So oh yeah, I love that guy. But uh, yeah, he's in the XFL now, making plays. But you look at Brock Purdy, his ability to operate in the short, intermediate pass game at Iowa State always popped off the screen to me, and it's like the dude always looked in control. He's making good decisions with the football, and for Will Levis, unlike Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. He has the capability to do it at times, but since he's so sporadic in his footwork, his accuracy, he can't do it at a consistent level. And I really feel like he probably is going to most likely be the QB who the Raiders draft at seven, because I don't know if you know this, but before the Panthers traded up for the first overall pick with Chicago, Raiders were the team who were trying to make a move, but they didn't want to give up too much. Now it's like, okay, you rather go with Jimmy G versus a Bryce Young and a CJ Stroud. Okay, that I wouldn't do that if my job potentially was on the line. But okay, if you want to roll with Will Levis, I trust Josh McDaniels. And I don't think Josh McDaniels is a bad head coach. I think that, well, I'm not, I don't think he's a bad play caller. When it comes to calling plays, getting the most out of the offensive personnel, I think he's good with that. I just think when it comes to having the overall characteristics that you need to become a good head coach, he lacks those qualities. But I think with Will Levis, Josh McDaniels could fix him. He has a lot of Jake Cutler in him, and I've seen a lot of Jake Cutler comparisons. He kind of doesn't give a damn. He's going he's gonna to throw that bitch into – a tight window. He's going to throw it in the double coverage. He gets reckless at times. It's like, the more I watch Will Levis, it's like, you know, the more I tend to kind of like him because the guy is gutsy. He did play through a lot of adversity. He doesn't have any crazy character red flags that concerns me. Like, I'm pretty sure Will Levis is a guy who you can drive. You know he's going to put into the work. And I really feel bad watching anytime he goes on the platform for an interview because everybody's asking him like you know you pretty much suck this year how you feel about it and i know he feels like i know he has to feel hella shitty when they ask him questions i don't know if you watch this podcast on cbs sports with rick spillman it's a really good one i love listening to rick spillman it's called with the first pick and they kind of had will levis on and kind of put him on the spot and i was like ah oh, man like it's like the more I watch Will Levis, the more I really want this dude to succeed. Like, you know, we never root for anybody to fail. It's nothing personal not. when we're evaluating these guys. And I really want Will Levis to succeed, man. Like, you know, he's different. You know, the Mayo stuff is like, I never would do that. You get what I'm saying? I'll leave that alone. But, <laughs> you know, it's like he's different, man. He's the kind of personality that I can see players really liking, really gravitating towards. He's a dude. A lot of the coaches had a lot of great things to say. And this guy was a warrior. You know, like, you want somebody who's going to put their body on the line. This dude played through hell of injuries last year. So it's like, I'm not going to be one of those people that come on and make excuses about Will Levis. But it, it's so easy to trash on the dude. He has so much to work on. But it's like, you know, we know what he has to work on. But a lot of people really don't focus on what could help him become one of the best QBs in the league. And it really is a situation that he goes to. And I think him going to Las Vegas will be a really good situation. But he does have the arm strength. He does have really good athleticism. I think he may be a better athlete than what you may give him credit for. I think he is a – I wouldn't consider – I, I kind of want to put him in that elite athlete class. 
not like an Anthony Richardson, but I really feel like he does have like some Josh Allen in him. He did have some really good runs, some really fantastic runs when he's hurling over guys. He's doing spin moves. And that's really what caught me off guard with Josh Allen because when I first watched Josh Allen's rookie season, he started running and he was running like Lamar. Like people forget, like you talk about what Lamar Jackson does on the ground. Josh Allen is right up with them. It's just that they have different running styles. And Will Levis, you know, like, I'm not even going to hold you, bro. Like, just talking about the dude, I kind of would take the chance on him if I'm an offensive-minded coach and I know that I can take this guy and I can fix him. If I'm a Josh McDaniels, I make the pick. But if I'm somebody like D'Amico Ryans or Frank Wright, I'm not trying to waste time with that kind of experiment. I want somebody who's plug-and-play ready to go. Let's talk about Jalen Carter. (laughs) What happened with the – the off the field stuff with the racing. Hey, bro, he got cleared. He, he, he ain't nothing to talk about. He, he, he ain't serving no jail time. Everybody who who was unfortunately involved in that fatal incident, they take the care of, and he's good to go. So ain't nothing to really talk about with that. But there is something to talk about with that pro day, though. Yeah, but it's just like, you know, you had the character concerns that came out earlier in the year. And it's mm-hmm. like at that time, like I feel like there were no character concerns, but now it's like you got all these issues popping up, and now everybody's like, okay, this dude's a character. I'm I really feel like he isn't gonna be that big of a troublemaker. But do you think that his draft stock is going to tank a little bit? Could you see him falling out of the top 10? Plus the the bad pro day, which you're about to, that you're probably going to get into like. Is he still going to be a top 10 or is he going to have like a, a I, I don't picture him having like a seismic fall, but I could see him falling out of the top 10. What about you? Um, I cannot see him falling outside of the top 10. Um, I can see him falling, but not outside the top 10. That's the first question that you asked has actually stumped me because stumped me because I look at Jalen Carter and talent wise, the dude is the best player in the class but he plays a position that isn't of value for the first pick and or really any of the top five picks, and he has character concerns. Um, so it's kind of like you effed yourself, kind of. But at the same time, he did it because I just don't – and like, like I have said, I am a Cowboys fan, so – the, the the football fan of me would absolutely hate this, but I don't see any way that Philly lets him, him get past 10. I don't care who's – I don't care if all the corners are there. Like, I don't care. Like, Jalen Carter at worst is going to Philly because you have to think about it. This is a defensive tackle that can beat triple teams. You feel me? Like, that's not normal. People don't just beat triple teams. You feel me? So – um, we talk about his ability to shed blocks, to um, get skinny when he's rushing the passer, um, to play the run on the way to the quarterback. He's the 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 prototype, the Gen X, what you look for in a in a generational defensive tackle. Um, so I think that Jalen Carter, yeah, he's gonna fall, but I also think it ain't got anything to do with him. I think that the quarterbacks is the monkey wrench, and the corner the cornerback is the other monkey wrench. I don't know what Detroit's doing at six, but from what I see and what I've heard from sources, uh, 
cornerback is definitely in play, even though they just signed Sam Sutton. So this draft get really weird starting at pick number six, really at five, um, because I don't know what Seattle's going to do. They're taking meetings with Bryce and Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud. Are they going to take a quarterback? I don't know. Um, but they might mess around, take Tyree Wilson, and it's just the smoke and mirror. But um, with, the, with, the, with the influx of the draft being so tied into – what quarterback goes where, and the, the run on corner cornerbacks is going to be absolutely asinine. Um, I think Jalen Carter could fall to 10, absolutely, but I don't think he's past the Philadelphia Eagles. I think he's too talented a player. And you potentially then have the ability, if you're Philadelphia, as I vomit here trying to be objective, um, to basically reunite Jordan Davis mm-hmm. and Jalen Carter for the next 10 years. I mean, if I'm the Philadelphia Eagles, if I'm a fan of Philadelphia, the Eagles, that excites the living hell out of me because you can finally push Jordan, I mean, not Jordan, um, Fletcher Cox to the sunset, you know. Uh, you just lost Javon Hargrave in free agency to San Fran, so putting Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter together again on a defensive line would help you maintain that level of dominance that you've had for so many years. And Jalen Carter, unlike Jordan Davis, does not come off the field on third down. He can rush with Hassan Reddick and um, and Sweat, Josh Sweat, and those guys. So, yeah, I think I think I think one Jalen Carter would be a great fit in Philadelphia. But two, I think there's no way Philadelphia passes on prospect of that magnitude with the general manager they have and Harry Roseman. So, yeah, no way he makes out top ten. Now, even though you know he wasn't really charged with anything, not really no trouble, just slapped on the wrist with probation. I think he got some community service, but he didn't have a great pro day. He came in nine pounds overweight. Do you think that, and this is why I think there's a chance that he could fall out the top 10. Cause you know how these general managers play the game. And I think it's going to be the same thing with Hendon Hooker. They're going to be like, okay, like this dude has all these things going on. So let's just see how far this guy falls, what teams are going to be willing to take that risk and play the game and see how far Jalen Carter falls until it's like, okay, we're not, we're just going to go ahead and scoop him up. Do you see that kind of situation playing not with him? Or do you think teams aren't even going to try to take that wait and see game with them? If he's on the board, they're just going to go ahead and snag him up. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I said, um, I, don't, I don't see any way he gets past 10. I will touch on him hooker though. Um, I think Hendon hooker, if he doesn't tear his ACL is the third best quarterback in this class. So, uh, if they want to wait around for Henry Hooker, be my guest. The Cowboys apparently love him and would love to make him their backup quarterback. So, yeah, you wait around if you want to. Um, that kid's going to be just fine. He's over. He's going to be 25 when he takes his first NFL practice reps. But his ability to throw the football is magnificent. So, um, yeah, shout out to Henry Hooker. I love that, man. I love that kid. Um, but – as far as Jalen Carter, man, again, you know, um, as far as him falling in the top ten, you know, with the pro day and everything, I mean, what what was Jalen Carter really gonna show us at a pro day with tights on? You feel me? Like he's a defensive tackle, bro. I think I think I think I think pro days are meant for quarter quarter quarterbacks, cornerbacks, and wide receivers and tight ends. They're not made for defensive tackles, they're not made for offensive linemen. That's what the combine is for. Now, he didn't want to hurt out the combine, and I get that he had a terrible show in his pro day. But in reality, the question should be not be about really Jalen Carr's character. The question should be, can you focus in the midst of adversity? And I don't mean to cut you off. How is your maturity? I think I think my only 
weakness on Jalen Carter in his evaluation wasn't even character concern. It was maturity. Are you mature enough to handle the responsibility of probably being the best defensive player on your team for the next 10 years? Are you mature enough to handle that? So that's what the issue is more for me and probably for GMs as well is how mature they think they are. And I, I think um, even with the maturity issues, I still don't think it's at the top 10 simply because you put him in the right locker room and those maturity issues can be resolved. Like Philadelphia, fuck the Eagles, but yeah, <laughs> Philadelphia has a great locker room. Feel me? Great culture um, on that team. Uh, fuck the Eagles, though. Um, <laughs> and I don't mean uh, to cut you off real quick, but it's like, what about the stamina concerns? Because those definitely did pop out to me a lot watching him. He was on the sidelines in the college football semifinals really early, got gas really fast. It's like that 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 goes into not the maturity, but that goes into one his defensive tackle. So they're they're gonna get gassed. Um, that's the natural thing in position. But also, I mean, hey, bro, you gotta put in the work. You feel me? Aaron Donald comes off the field, yeah, but. On third down, Aaron Donald, if he's tired, not going to try to size out there and get to the quarterback. You feel me? So that's that's a Jalen Carter problem. A scout can't worry about that. It's not a scout's job to make sure that a player's in shape. That's your responsibility. That's your profession. You feel me? But, um, yeah, it's a, but, but then at the same time, what, you, what a team would be asking Jalen Carter to do probably wouldn't require him to be t- as tired. Um. I see I see him as a three-down player eventually, but they probably use him in sub packages on third down and really like key rundowns because he's a creature's front defender. You try to block Jalen Carter one-on-one, your ass is getting smoked. Now um, I, I'm not gonna hold you. I'm not gonna hold you. There was one player who did have his way against Jalen Carter, and I think mm. he's the top 10 player in his driving. His name is Osiris Torrance, and this dude. Is one of the rarest offensive guards I've seen. This dude, this dude had his way with Jalen Carter. Be honest now. Like Jalen Carter wasn't just like non-existent, not trying to say that he did make plays, but Osiris Torrance pretty much had that dude in check. That was that was a war. I think Carter won the war, though. Let me tell you why Carter won the war. They had both had good reps against each other, but when it came down to it, Carter's reps were more impressive than Torrance's. Torrance's held him, Torrance held him in check, but it was like runs away from Jalen Carter that he held him in check. When they come when it came to the point of attack, when they were trying to run at Jalen Carter and they were trying to seal him off of Torrance, and he would throw his ass like a fucking rag doll to the side and blow up the ball carrier. I mean, that's more impressive to me. But I'm glad you brought that up. Because people need to stop sleeping on Osiris Torrance, man. I got a guy in my own department. Who thinks that uh, he's not uh, guard one? It's like he is, bro. He's he's, he he. Yes, he's light in the ass. He's not as strong as you would want him to be. But and the weight, the weight was an issue. But he's he slimmed down a lot. But I think overall, he's another really high potential guy, high ceiling guy. He's a guy who's got his best football ahead of him. There's already a mauler who knows how to, you know, dig out those defensive tackles, dig out those linebackers, even get to the second level on those safeties and linebackers, you feel me? So I think that Torrance is a really, really good player, and I just would like for him to get more respect. But back to Carter, though, um, while he did have some times where he did get beat on tape, I think that I think the thing with Carter that really impresses me the most and why I thought he can't fall top ten is his pass rush ability. 
You cannot pass on in today's NFL. You cannot pass on a guy who can get pressure on a quarterback on third down from a different type of position because that's mm-hmm. the game changer. You can find an edge that can get to the passer. You can find a linebacker like Michael Parsons that gets to the passer. But when you have a defensive tackle that gets to the passer as well, that's when you have problems as a quarterback. There's no quarterback. I don't care if you're Dak Prescott. I don't care if you're Tom Brady. I don't care if you're Patrick Mahomes. No quarterback likes pressure in their face. And who puts pressure in their face? Defensive tackles. And look at the guys making the most money at that position. DeForest Buckner, Javon Hargrave, all guys that can get after the quarterback. And the thing is this, like a lot of people think the finals kind of D tackles, you got to go smaller to size. With Jalen Carter, this guy is 300 pounds. So it's like the size is there, the athleticism is there, you know. And when it comes to him falling out the first, the, the top 10, it's like I think that it would be highly unlikely. I think there's a possibility that maybe Arizona takes him at three if they don't trade down. It's just that, you know, sometimes yeah, these GMs sure. do like to roll the dice sometimes and play the way in game, like you said. Play the way, play the way in game at your own risk and end up losing on a generational kind of player. Let's talk about another generational player who people view as a consensus top five, top 10 player, B. John Robinson. Now, you know that the running back position isn't really viewed in a high in a high um, regard. You know, a lot of people can get great backs in the later rounds and whatnot. But B. John Robinson, you know, I was me and my homeboy was arguing who was better, Jameer Gibbs or B. John Robinson. And I was telling him, fam, like, it, it's a pretty, it's a, it's a better argument than what people give it credit for. But when you watch B. John Robinson, bro, like the way this dude's vision, the way this dude just moves, this dude is just a smooth operator. And he was telling me my homeboy has a cousin who plays for Kansas. His name is Kenny Logan. And he was watching what B. John Robinson was doing, the Kansas defense, and his compa- his opinion just completely changed. He said, you know what? I'm going to give bro his roses. And he's one of those people, like, you ever had somebody who's like, I got to see what they do at the next level. They don't really want to give out projections. He was like, you know what? This dude probably is going to be it. Do you think B. John Robinson is going to go in the first round? And if he does, who takes him? First off, I don't think B. John Robinson not only goes in the first round. I think he goes in the top 15. I think that B. John Robinson, who's taking him, just pull up Tankathon. Because the Chargers, they currently have Austin Eckler on the trading block. Philadelphia, maybe they wait to see what happens with Ezekiel Elliott's decision. He poorly, he reportedly is down to them. And Cincinnati, and there's one more team. You got the Dolphins, who probably could be in the mix for another running back, even though they re-signed Raheem Mostert. Like, are there really some great options for B. John Robinson? Because this guy is a fantastic running back. His vision, I think that he has pretty good hands out of the backfield, even though he's not a Jameer Gibbs. It's like this dude is just a rare breed at the running back position. And he's not a he's not a burner, in my opinion. Jameer Gibbs is most definitely faster. But this dude, his game, his acceleration is zero to none. And he just has rare twitchiness. Like, you know, you ever seen guys who, like, 
they're not fast they're not burners but they're just incredibly quick like they're just really twitchy the way they just move in and out of every time they make a cut every time they run the football make them move it's just really fast and sudden i think he goes top 15 i think the chargers trade up for him i know based on the sources that i have in pocket that uh the chargers love him and they want him badly um, and I feel like they make that move a trade up for him on the top 15. B. John Robinson is the eraser at the running back position in, in his draft prospect. There's certain things I call erasers where what their position is, what their height is, doesn't fucking matter. You just take that player and you enjoy the blessing that you have and you move on with your life. And that's <laughs> B. John Robinson. You want to talk about vision? And don't get me wrong, Jameer Gibbs is my boy. Like that film system did for him the other day. Probably the most fun film system I've ever done in my life. You feel me? Like, I've been watching him since he was a freshman at Tech. Like, I love Jameer Gibbs. But J- B. John Robinson is the best running back in his class. Like, he's him. Like, vision? Stop it. Uh, ability to sh- be shifty, to make people miss in the hole? Stop it. You can even, and I blame Steve Car- Sarkeesian for this. You can even split B. John out wide. And ask him to run routes, and he can do it. And he can catch the ball well, like not just out the backfield, not just screens, but actual route concepts, actual over routes, actual ins and outs, and corners. And he can do that if you need him to. But when it comes to the vision, man, when it comes to the explosion, when it comes to running through contact, contact balance. Um, the ability to know when to bounce outside, when to keep it inside, when to run over somebody, when to truck somebody, when to try to hurdle somebody, the awareness. Bijan Robinson is the best running back prospect to come out, in my opinion, to Ezekiel Elliott. No disrespect to Saquon Barkley, but I think that I think that Bijan Robinson is the best running back prospect to come out to Ezekiel Elliott, and you do not pass up on a guy like that. Now, you don't take him in the top 10. You don't. But if you did. I wouldn't be mad at it. Now, if you take him at 10, like, I, I really like that. Take him anything above that at 8 to Atlanta, it's like, eh, you got Tiger, Ty, Tyler, Algier. Take him at 6 to Detroit, I'm like, you passing on Christian Gonzalez. You feel me? Joey Porter, you feel me? So, but I feel like top 15, top 20 is really a really, really, really favorable and good spot for him, despite the devaluing of running backs in the days in the field, which, by the way, I'm opposed to. I think running backs have to really do matter. Um, I just think how you how you use them and the special ones are the ones that do. Um, and B. John is absolutely special, as I've said. Um, does have a little bit of a fumbling problem. Need him to get that together. But all in all, I think B. John Robinson is a fantastic player. And not only do I think one running back goes in the first round, I think two. I think Jameer Gibbs goes in the first round as well. And while we're on the topic of running back, I want to talk about an uh, underrated running back that I really like a lot, and a lot of people are starting to pick up on them, and I don't even know if you can consider him underrated anymore. Hell, some people act like they want to make him second behind B. John and put him over Jameer Gibbs. You got this guy named Tajay Spears out of Tulane. And and you talk about how much fun you have watching Jameer Gibbs take. Hey, I ain't going to hold you, man. Watching Tajay Spears is some fun, man. And you know who he reminds me of? Dan Sproles, right? No, man. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Maurice Jones-Drew. Oh, wow. That's even better. This oh man, my God. Vision, I love that. 
his suddenness. Now he does. He isn't built like Maurice Jones drew. Like in terms of built, he doesn't have like the build, the big stockiness that MJD had. But in terms of his vision and his playing style, the way that this guy just finds holes, he reminds me so much of MJD. How do you feel about Ty J Spears in this draft class? Ty J Spears is a stud, man. I love that kid. Um, you want to talk about start stop ability? You want to talk about being the catch out the backfield? You want to talk about some Tony Pollard like quality? Like I love Ty J Spears, bro. I think that that dude, if you put him in a situation like the San Francisco 49ers, you put him in a situation like um the New Orleans Saints, you don't know what's going on with Alvin Kamara. I think Ty J Spears could be a great RB2. Gives you great spell carries, gives you great um spell production at the running back position. I love Ty J Spears. I think that um, his ability to hit home runs is there. You know, I, I really like Charlie Spears a lot. I think the senior bowl did a lot for him. He had a great combine. Um, I cannot wait to see where it goes. I have him as a top 100 player on our board. So, yeah, man, I think Charlie Spears is a stud, bro. You, you're 100% right. Now, I now Reese Jones-Drew is actually interesting. I see more Darren Sproles in him, but – I mean, his I mean, his ability to just start and stop. I mean, what he did to USC was was downright murder, like first degree. You feel me? So, I I really like Tajay Spears, man, and I cannot wait to see who gets their hands on him. My goodness. And one thing about Tajay Spears is like he's not just finesse. Like he, this guy has a has a punch when he comes at you. You know, he's not looking to shy away from you. He's coming dead at you. It's like, and he doesn't have like the physique of MJD, but in terms of his playing style, me being the Jacksonville resident for a lot of my life, I grew up watching Maurice Jones Drew. He just shows me a lot of similarities to his game. And it's like, I'm really excited to see what he does at the next level, because I, I think that I'm really good out of all my positions when it comes to scouting. I think the ones I'm the best at is quarterback and running back. Last year, you had Rashad White, had him on my fantasy squad, Kenneth Walker, Damian Pierce. I picked him up before anybody. Man, I was doing my fantasy football drafts back in July, man, picking up Damian Pierce, stashing <laughs> him on all my drafts, man. And it's just like you look at Tajay Spears, man. You put him on Arizona, Kyler Murray getting Oh, you, you, you cooking. You you cooking yeah. with some grease, man. Some real grease. You put him on Buffalo, Cincinnati. Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! Stop it! <laughs> it, it hey, hey, man. This is a, this is a running back cool. You can really put anywhere because of his ability to stop and start. You feel me? It, he's such a good potential change of pace back. It doesn't matter where you put him; he's gonna succeed. Because he's automatically going to give an offense probably something different. Most running backs don't possess the qualities that Ty J. Spears have. So you put him in any situation, really, to succeed. But I think those teams that you named, though, like Cincinnati, um, Arizona, man, him and, him and James Conner would be nasty. Like, <laughs> I would love that. I love that Real for Arizona. Nasty. Before we get into our last topic, if you guys haven't already, make sure that you guys check out our guy film, Iza Art, our guy Artie, one more time. Let the people know where they can find you at and what you have planned moving forward on the channel with the NFL Drive just right around the corner. So, um, 
We have been very, very busy here lately. Um, we've been pumping out film sessions like crack in the 80s. Um, <laughs> um, just doing as much content as we can. Uh, we're all working men. Some of us are married. Some of us have kids. So we have all our responsibilities, but the department is department. Business is business, and we handle business the way the only way we can and make it spin like a spiral. So uh, April 1st, that's April 1st, 2023, we'll be starting team draft previews. All 32 teams will get covered in the span of 26 days. There are going to be days where multiple teams come on a day, as many as three, as little as one. Um, but all 32 teams will be covered. You will be entertained. You will have an opening monologue. You will have who your team should draft and why. And you will have a review of your team's free agency. So you don't want to miss that. There won't be super long videos. They'll be eight to ten minutes long. Um, like I said, you don't want to miss it. You don't know what you're going to get video to video. There's four scouts in the department. We split that baby into eight teams per person. So everybody's going to get their chance to sign um, next month. So April 1st, man. The Chicago Bears is the first team preview, so you don't want to miss that, man. Um, that's all we have going on. Um, just want to thank JT Sports again for the opportunity to be on the platform. Um, this was super fun, and uh, this was a true blessing to me personally and to us as a department. So we just want to say thank you, bro, from Film Assert. The last thing we got to discuss, man, and this is probably where we – probably our first time disagreeing. Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? Now – I would take Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud. I don't really care about the size. I think he is a better quarterback than C.J. Stroud. But I don't think it's a huge gap. And I think that's where we're probably going to disagree with. First, I just want to know what your thoughts on C.J. Stroud are. I think C.J. Stroud is an elite quarterback prospect. I think his ability to throw the ball anywhere on the field from any angle, from any arm angle to hit any hash, to get the ball wherever he gets to is phenomenal. I think his ability to process quickly, even though he doesn't process the best, I think his ability to process quickly, get in and out of his progressions quickly is outstanding. I think his pocket poise is phenomenal. This kid will stand in the pocket with someone barreling down on him and not give a flying fuck, throw that ball right where it's supposed to be, and it's going to be accurate when it gets there. I think CJ Stroud is a elite quarterback prospect. I love C.J. Stroud. I, if it wasn't for Bryce, I would be 10 toes down C.J. Stroud as the best quarterback in this class. So I love C.J. It's, it's not a it's not a I love Bryce, I hate C.J. I love them both. I just got uh, Bryce two knocks ahead. And when we talk about C.J. Stroud's athleticism, you know, that that's really where I, I kind of disagree because when Jalen Carter was on the sideline in the semifinals matchup, he was winded because he was chasing around C.J. Stroud, and I don't know what the hell Ryan Day told C.J. Stroud before that Peach Bowl game, yep. but this dude got into a different bag. And listen, I was rooting for C.J. Stroud. Even in my preview, I said, bro, I hope this motherfucking C.J. Stroud comes out and he lets Georgia hear it, bro. Like, I, I just hate players like C.J. Stroud that just get nitpicked. People call him soft, say he didn't have that dog in him. And you see that Georgia game, 
people like, oh shit, like this dude running the football now. And you know, like, oh snap, you running the ball? I'm like, oh, you can run for real. And this man wasn't picking up like five, six yards. Like he was going, he was going. I was like, man, you talk about having fun watching film. I watched that CJ Stroud Georgia tape, and that's probably one of my favorite games of any dry prospect ever to watch because I just love players who rise to the occasion. I love people who get counted out. I I know that I know that people were expecting that game to be close. Pretty much everybody considered that game to be the national championship game. But you look at what happened against Michigan and he didn't even have a bad game against Michigan. Like if we're considering CJ Stroud's performance against Michigan to be a bad game, then if that's his bad game, then shoot, this guy, just like Bryce Young, is a generational prospect because you compare C.J. Stroud's worst game to Anthony Richardson's worst game. Stop. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, bro, I'd rather have – I'll take that. Then C.J. Stroud played every much, single bro. NFL game the way that he did his final game at Ohio State, bro. This dude is probably going to have a first-class ticket to Canton, Ohio. I mean, this dude has everything that you're looking for from the quarterback position outside of his ability to extend plays. Now, he can extend plays, buying times for guys to get open somewhat, but yeah. he's not good on the run. Like He doesn't really give you much when it comes to throwing on the run, throwing on platform. And it's like he, he has made those throws – but he hasn't really made them consistently enough at the college level for me to believe that he'll do it at the NFL with faster players. It's just that I don't want to say like he's slow. I think it's because he's so tall and lanky. It, it just looks a little slow in person. It's probably a little bit faster, but it's just like he just doesn't look like a, a natural when it comes to being able to throw on the run. If you get what I'm saying, like it kind of just looks uh, that's not really part of your game. It kind of looks a little forced, if that makes sense. Yeah. So CJ Stroud basically told me personally January 1st when he played against Georgia, hold my beard like. I was one of those guys like you that was saying, like, ah, oh, man, the biggest difference between Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud is Bryce is athletic. Bryce knows how to run. He wants to run. C.J. Stroud never wants to run. And then this nigga, he goes out and he, he runs all over Georgia in Atlanta. Like, he literally came into that city and said, I'm going to take over. Like, not only did he run, he threw on the run, going to his right, Going to his left, that like you said, like I equally feel that that's not only first of all that was an incredible football game regardless. Bump the tape, that was a good football game. Second off, that is one of the most tantalizing, most convincing performances I've ever seen from a college prospect, ever, regardless of position. That CJ Stroud tape versus Ohio State, I mean that CJ Stroud tape versus Georgia was outstanding. He's proved so much in one game that I almost went back in my notes and changed some things because his ability to run was such an impediment to him, like his ability to want to run was an impediment to him that it cost him so many big plays. He made every – every time he had a chance to run or send a play that game, he did it. 
to the point where I think there was a rep where no, there was a rep where he shook off Jalen Carter and threw to Marvin Harrison Jr. in the back of the end zone. I mean, that 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 is so impressive and that is so good for him as a prospect because now we can have these conversations where there's only really two notches between Bryce and CJ. Like I like you th- you thinking it's a fight? Nah, bro, we're we're in agreement. We're in con- con- conjunction here. I think that there's not much of a gap between Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. I think they're both elite quarterbacks. I think they're both very special. I think they both are going to succeed very early in their career. So you're not getting an argument from me, man. I love both of these kids. I want them both to succeed. That boy CJ Stroud, you say he came into Atlanta and took over that city. Hey, that boy said it's a party in my city. Hey, 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 it was a CJ Stroud party in the Peach Bowl, boy. That was the CJ Stroud coming out party. And then everybody keeps saying, well, he's throwing the Marvin Harrison Jr. We. I don't want to get into the 2024 draft class, but that boy Marvin Harrison Jr., he's different. But the throws that C.J. Stroud was throwing to Marvin Harrison last season were some fantastic throws and some even fantastic catches. But it's like the ball placement, the accuracy, the precision that he throws with. And when it comes to the Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud argument, if you're asking me, Who is the safer option? I would say C.J. Stroud simply for the fact that you know that long term he should be able to hold up 10 to 15 years. Obviously, injuries, you don't you can't really determine how injuries are going to occur in the NFL. But with C.J. Stroud, though, it's like you trust him a little bit more to be able to hold up for 10 to 15 years than you do Bryce Young. But Bryce Young, though. We talked about C.J. Stroud and that performance that he had against Georgia, but the whole entire 2022 Alabama season outside of Will Anderson was the Bryce Young show. And even Nick Saban even said that, like, when could we ever say one player really carried Alabama football? Like, C.J. Stroud, every time the game was on the line, he came through. And the only time it seemed like teams were able to beat Alabama was when Bryce Young was off the field. Because when this guy was on the field, he came through nine times out of 10. And I I just don't know what it is with Bryce Young, but it's like this dude never seems rattled. In that Michigan game, I'm not going to hold you. Like, even though C.J. Stroud didn't play bad, he did look a little rattled at times in the second half of that game. And even the game before before this year, the previous one back in 2021, it looked like he kind of got a little rattled. But Bryce Young, though, I don't think I've watched a single Bryce Young game where this dude ever looked rattled, where this guy ever flinched. This guy just looks cool, calm, composed. And it's like you just look at him in the face. It's like, bro, like. You're telling me that you're not just a little worried about feeling like this guy is a dog. You talk about somebody who has ice in his veins. Bryce Young is everything that I want from an NFL quarterback. And really, like, I think C.J. Stroud is a better passer. I don't think it's like a huge gap. I just think that he has slightly better ball placement accuracy. But, I mean, you can make the argument for either one. But what really separates – C.J. Stroud from Bryce Young, to me, is just the ability to extend plays. I just think that Bryce Young's 
He's like Houdini. It's it's like Russell Wilson and Drew Brees combined. It's like I don't really think it's a Kyler Murray situation where you got an undersized quarterback and you completely have to build this offense around him. It's just that you're not going to have a guy like Bryce Young under center more times than not. You're going to have him in the shotgun and things like that. But outside of that, this dude can run any offense. Like this dude isn't one of those short quarterbacks that comes from a gimmicky offense. Like, yeah, Bill O'Brien, that's his OC. You feel me? So he has ran a pro-style offense. And it's just like when it comes to Bryce Young, CJ Shaw, this 1A, 1B, what separates Bryce from CJ for me and why I would take Bryce is just this man's ability to extend plays and how he maneuvers inside the pocket is incredibly rare. Like Bryce Young is a natural football player. Like I don't know if you watch Dragon Ball, but they have something called um ultra instinct and it's like you don't think you just you just go like your body just moves for you and that's mm. cj Stroud. it's like when he's playing football it's like he's not thinking he's just he's just reacting i wouldn't even call it reacting i just call this i just call it playing football like you ever play backyard football and you're like you're just moving you ain't really thinking like that's cj Stroud. like the way he plays the qb position the way he just understands where everybody's at at all times is incredibly rare. And that's why I went on TikTok a couple of months ago and I said that Bryce Young, in my opinion, is one of the greatest quarterback prospects ever. And I damn near called him the greatest, but I'm not going to be that disrespectful to John Elway. But Bryce Young is just different, man. Uh, I was saying before we got on air. Um... I think that Bryce Young is clearly the best quarterback I've ever scouted. Um, and I've been defending the man since July. I'm damn near as a defense attorney. So I, I'm, you preach to the choir at this point. I mean, I'm with you 100%. Um, I think that's something else that gets undermined and overlooked with him is his processing, his ability to read defenses. This is a kid who, 24 hours after playing a college football game in the SEC, would get a book of the tape and the tendencies of the next tape, next team that are playing. And by the next morning would have his own adjustments ready for the Bama staff. He set protections. He set his own protections. He called his own plays sometimes. And beyond that, they would implement his audibles into the game. So every time you saw Bryce make an audible, it was his own audible that he studied on his own and came up with the Alabama implemented. So this is a kid who, Extremely intelligent. The can can you talk about the escapability? For me, with him, I see I see, I see a more athletic Aaron Rodgers, man. I see a guy that can make any throw on the field, but but at the same time can run, but wants to throw the ball. And there's a and there's a good quality to that because running isn't always the best decision. Your ability to extend the play to 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 throw the ball down the field. There's so many times we talked about it earlier, the LSU game, right? Remember the play where he ran through like the whole defensive line and threw the ball to Corey Books for a touchdown? That's literally what I'm talking about. The ability to extend the play, he could have ran that, but you're going to get 10 yards and get um, a first down. He said, nah, I see Corey Books down there. I'm going to get a touchdown for my team to put, to put us in the lead. So this is a guy who's very intelligent, very smart, um, very quick. And, and and overall, just 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 very just very very good at football. 
there's there's something to being consistently good at football for me as an evaluator. I think that that's Bryce, um, in a nutshell. I think CJ Stroud is also good at football, but I think you're right. CJ Stroud can be rattled. CJ Stroud can be had um, if you get pressure in his face. You feel me? So it's one of those situations where you get pressure in Bryce's face. He doesn't give a fuck. You know. And he then, Man, I didn't mean to cut you off. My fault. My fault. You're good. You're good. You're good. Go ahead. Go ahead. Talk about it's like it. Ahead, people dude. keep talking about Bryce Young's size, but people don't understand that the greatest players in the NFL aren't your prototypical for what you expect from the position. The greatest players to ever play this game have been guys who have been able to overcome certain limitations. Now, of course, you have your athletic freaks and whatnot, but guys like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, they may not have been the most talented in certain areas, but these were guys who truly understood the game of football. They understood who they were as a player, and they played to their strengths. They played true to themselves. And when you look at Bryce Young, I mean, like, when I was reading other people's scouting reports, it's kind of like people just nitpicking, like, saying, like, he throws, like, his deep passes a little bit. When you start seeing stuff like that, that's how you know this is a fantastic prospect. And when you look at C.J. Stroud, he's not good under pressure. Well, I won't say he's bad under pressure. I kind of feel like he's a little bit better with pressure in his face than what PFF statistics give him credit for. Like, I saw him make a lot of throws under pressure with Jalen Carter coming at you. Like, I don't think it's it gets any more scarier than that guy coming at you with the speed and power that he has. But it's just like, with Bryce Young, though, we keep harping on this dude's size, but yet this is somebody who has a height disadvantage to C.J. Stroud. And yet, explain to me how he's way better under pressure with defense alignment coming in at his face, and yet he's still delivering dimes downfield. Like, what the hell is this dude, Bryce? Like, where did – like, did God just create this dude in the lab, or what was it, bro? Because if he made C.J. Stroud – 200 pounds and he made them light shoe okay that's cool but other than that this dude has made a fantastic football player and i was listening to sean payton on the herd um before he took the broncos head coaching job and got traded there and they were talking about caleb williams and then they were talking about bryce young and they were talking about how he's not a prototype at a position normally when you're evaluating players and you're looking for players to take in the first round you're looking for guys who have great athleticism but also have the prototypical build at a position but unless you have a guy who walks on water you don't really look to take guys who kind of don't have that prototypical size unless they truly are generational and they walk on water and that's Bryce Young yeah um something too else about Bryce is I feel like what he went through at Alabama this year is severely underrated, man. Like I said, bro, Trayshawn Holden, you can look it up. He had almost as many drops as catches. Like, that's not a joke. It's actually serious. You know, Jermaine Burton is, like, not good at football. You know? you All you had offensively was really Jameer Gibbs all year and Ja'Cory Brooks. You feel me? And a bunch of freshmen. You feel me? So, he didn't have the – Luxury talent that he had the year before with Jamison Williams, John Mechie, um, and and uh, Jaleel Billingsley, and even that wasn't the best. So, this is a guy who can make it work with less, and 
I mean, does everybody forget the game that Bryce Young had against Georgia? I mean, he threw for 455 on them. Who are that, the was the best defense, that was the best defense in, in college football history. So, Three of the greatest performances against Kirby Smart's defenses at Georgia have come from Joe Burrow. And remember what the hell he did. Mm-hmm. CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. And that wasn't even the most impressive game to me. My most my favorite game of Bryce Young's film probably was Tennessee. And him and Hendon Hooker were going that in Tennessee. Tennessee got that on game fast. That game pissed me off so much. The Alabama defense let him down. That kid that came back from the AC joint injury and was playing off his mind. Out of his mind. I mean, did you see the throw to Jermaine Burton at the Atlanta three-yard line? Did you see? Did you see the escapability in the on the twenty? I mean, dude ran all the way over the field, throwing the back of the end zone. Like that game was just so frustrating. I'm not an Alabama fan, but I have mob ties because my grandma's from there. But that game was just so infuriating as they evaluate because you see somebody playing their heart out. And you motherfuckers can't stop Jalen Jalen Hyde from running a non bro. Are you serious? Come on, bro. I'm not like, surprised. You gotta realize they're mostly him over to single to, to get the see if there's single coverage so I can go at Brian Branch alone or not. Because they know DeMarcus Helms can't get over there once the ball's in the air. <laughs> we like, saw what Kandel did to DeMarco Helms. Man. Listen, bro. Listen, bro. Listen, bro. That Tennessee-Alabama game was very, very infuriating as an evaluator because you had so many good things going on. At the end of the day, the best player on the field had to go home with an L, and it wasn't even his fault. You hate you hate that as an evaluator. LSU! You LSU, same thing! LSU, like, you, you saw what this dude did against LSU, bro. It's like, I just don't know how people don't get excited when they watch Bryce Young play like this dude is going to be successful. Like if you're only concerned about Bryce Young is his durability and that's why you decide to take CJ Stroud over him, I still probably wouldn't agree with it, but I understand it. You feel me? Durability, longevity is one of the most important things in the league. You see what's happening in Tua. He's on the smaller side of things. And I saw like a arm statistic that says that, you know, Bryce Young is one of the widest quarterbacks to ever enter the NFL draft. And if he gets drafted in the first round, he'll be the widest quarterback ever to get drafted in the first round, I believe. But this dude is just truly a phenomenal quarterback when you watch him play. And just C.J. Stroud is a dog too, but it's like C.J. Stroud though, he he can get rattled at times, but I love both quarterbacks. I don't think it's a huge gap between the two. But once again, we have my guy Ardy on. I appreciate you coming on one last time. Let the people know where they can find you at and what you have planned for the channel with the draft approaching. Yeah, man. So, again, it's Artie, the executive director of Filmus Art here. This is a NFL scouting department that I that I built. I created from nothing, um, from my imagination, from my hard work and my dedication to – um, loving the scouting of the game of football. Um, we're a six-person staff. Um, we have two social media managers, 
we're just we're just humble people who like to watch football and work hard. Um, you can find us on Twitter at film it's an art with an extra T. That's F I L M I S S A R T T on Twitter. You can find us at film it's an art on Instagram. That's F I L M I S S A R T on Instagram. You can also find us on YouTube under that name as well. F I L M I S S A R T on Instagram. Um, like I said, we we've been pumping out film sessions like people been sell the people were selling crack in the eighties. Um, and we're doing all thirty two team draft previews in the next um twenty six days, starting April first. So you don't want to miss anything, man. Um, you, the way I say it to the guys and, and on my social media is um, you can either uh, join us now or see us later, but you're going to feel us. So um, whether you subscribe or not, whether you uh, like this video or not, I just, you know, appreciate, you know, the, the attempt and the attention. And I appreciate um, the people that will come and appreciate all this hard work that they'll see later. So. Make sure that you give our guys film is a art uh, follow on all of their social media platforms. Subscribe to the YouTube channels. Don't count them out like how people counted out CJ Stroud because they're yeah. going to be taking over your city just like how CJ Stroud was. It's a party in my city, hey! But what I they, what, they, what, they, what the kids say: come to your trap, take over your trap. Is that what they say? <laughs> 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 but I appreciate you for coming on, man. And like remember, that. if you guys haven't already, to like the video, subscribe to the channel. Make sure that you listen to the JT Sports Podcast. Every single video that's uploaded on the YouTube channel is available in audio format on all podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. Wherever you get your podcast from, you can find the JT Sports Podcast.